Welcome to Counseling Over Coffee, a podcast of Redeemer Counseling Group. Whether you are listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, we are happy to have you. And if you enjoy this podcast, it helps if you rate and review us, particularly on Apple Podcasts. And of course, any sharing of the podcast on social media is greatly appreciated. For more information about Redeemer Counseling Group, you can visit our website at RedeemerCounselingGroup.com or look us up on Facebook. And with that, here is Cherie with Counseling Over Coffee. Well, I am excited about today and next week because I have two of my very favorite people in my office, my husband, Benny, who you've heard from if you're a longtime listener, and one of my sons, Jesse, who is the third of our seven J's. But your favorite. Oh, of course, because whoever's <laughs> sitting in front of me is my favorite, right? Sorry, I'm your favorite right now. <laughs> <laughs> Today and next week, we'll be talking about the church. It's one of our favorite topics, right, Jesse? Absolutely. Not just our church, but the church what Charles Spurgeon called the dearest place on earth. I love that. Sadly, in the past decade or so, the church has lost some of its luster. I'm sure this is a recurring issue that's happened repeatedly throughout history, but it's been nevertheless hard for us to watch. Various scandals with large denominational leaders stepping down for differing reasons, sex abuse allegations, due to courageous victims coming forth with their stories, sad stories, and the whole issue of faith deconstruction, uh, a term that's new to, to me, and that's resulted in social media explosions, Jesse, yeah. on a vocal Christian leaders, some of whom we know personally, right? Absolutely, yeah. Either walking away from God in the church altogether, or some variation of that. And it's it's really been hard to watch and hard to see the impact on people. And then, of course, there was the pandemic. Large churches got larger, and many small churches got smaller because they didn't have the financial or human resources to provide cool live streaming. We watched some of those, Jesse. There was some cool stuff people were I, I doing. I think ours was pretty cool uh, for being, you know, in a basement, in a in a living room, sometimes outside. Yeah, that's uh, true. In, in the, you know, th- that was the brilliant thing that we did was we met outside in Florida in the summer. I, I in think the that, middle of yeah, the summer. In the middle of the summer. I think that was probably our, our best uh, best decision we made. <laughs> <laughs> and But here's the thing. I saw this Gallup poll, Jesse, and in 2021... Church membership dropped for the first time below 50% in America. Uh, that had been coming for a while. I mean, people's commitment levels we've known have been uh, not what they used to be for, for a while. So, I mean, hitting the 50% threshold uh, uh, I, was kind of inevitable uh, based on the trends of the past 20 years before that. That's a good point. Um, and... According to that poll, just 30 36% of millennials identify themselves with a specific local church, and that was down as well. 
Well, hopefully that changes. Yes. <laughs> and hopefully our church can become a part of that change. Right, exactly. Aren't you one of the M words? One, aren't you a millennial? It depends on who's asking. I can go both ways based on my birth year. So um, if it's a good connotation, then yes, absolutely. I'm a millennial, but okay. I don't always admit that. <laughs> right. So here's the thing and why I'm eager to get this discussion going today. I was reading an article by a researcher, and I forgot to write down his name, who made the point that the post-pandemic cultural environment suggests that people are growing tired of being a number and doing church on a screen. That was encouraging. He talked about how churches who want to reach the unchurched and who want to attract Christians who desire growth and change. And that's that's the whole reason right. for having the church, right? <laughs> right. It's, uh, it's a uh, centuries-old phenomenon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> People need change. And eventually, at some point in their life, they realize that. And that's when God meets them. Right. And so if we, if we want to... Or as people desire now, three years of doing church on a screen, um, people are desiring growth and change in their lives and their families, and they're going to be drawn to churches, large or small, where community and relationships are emphasized. And because here's the thing, we can go, Jesse, you and I could go to a marriage or parenting conference or uh, single adults could go to a large gathering where groups of people who already know each other collect in small groups in the room and feel left out. Or we can engage in real life face-to-face relationships where our challenges are targeted by discipleship, mentoring, and ministry that's talked about in scripture. So Jesse, this interview today is just going to be with with me and you, and then we're going to add dad next week. You've been serving as an elder of our church, Redeemer Church here in Orlando for years, but now you're, you're taking on a new role and your dad are doing a role reversal, right? Where you've been serving him for Mm -hmm. your whole life. He's now going to be serving you. And I want to ask you about this transition and what it's like for you. But first, just tell everybody, I mean, we have people who listen in who have known you your whole life up in the Northern Virginia area, but most of the listeners don't know you at all. So just tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm I'm Jesse. I, uh, we, we live here in Orlando, have since 2000. I've been a bivocational, non-vocational, whatever else vocational categories there (laughs) are in in ministry. Um, And I have an amazing wife, Rebecca, and four great kids. Yes, uh, you do. Three three boys and a girl, Samuel, Isaac, Josiah, and Liberty. And we've just kind of built our lives around serving God and the church together. We uh, joined, uh, Rebecca and I were part of... Uh, the church that planted our church, uh, she was with with her parents, uh, founding members of that church, and always had a heart to serve God yes. with, as a family. That that's as we were first married. That was something we always uh, wanted to do was for it to be a, a family thing, not not just a something the the parents did. Right, um, that's been awesome, and, and it was great. I mean, our kids, their memories are 
are growing up serving Redeemer Church. And, and doing and, a really good job of it too, by the way. It's 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 grown over the years. Yes, yes, it <laughs> their has. abilities to do that. Uh, so that that's why we were envisioned to be part of the initial plan, and that's what we're excited about with the with the replan is being able to to serve as a family because that's something that um, you can put people in the groups and specialized ministry and and whatever. But I mean, the primary way of and means of discipleship is uh, through parents and kids right and and doing things as families has always been part of our uh, vision you you've not only had that vision but you and rebecca both have modeled that um not just you know it's not a do what i say and not what i do with your kids i mean you and rebecca have have really modeled service to the church for your kids thank you I, i appreciate that and they're my grandchildren, so I, that's an added asset for me. But back to my question. So tell us about what this transition to being an elder at Redeemer Church to actually taking on a lead role means to you. I mean, we're still early in that process, um, but it's been great. I've felt uh, invigorated, I guess is a word, uh, by the transition because it's something we've been talking about for so long. True. And I feel providentially delayed uh, as we have been through the pandemic and other things. And then just the length of time that it took for us to search for a, a facility, which uh, a group offered to us free of charge. It was an incredible... What a huge blessing. It was absolutely incredible. Um, uh, means of God's provision for us as a as a congregation and those things happened in the Lord's timing. And after so, how many places did you look for? Like, I mean, a hundred. I mean, I, I yeah, want to say you were driving everywhere looking I wanna, for. Uh, I want to say we're up to the triple digits of of different you know doors that we knocked on, and you know the persistent widow uh, story. Uh, mm-hmm. It was it was an encouragement for me. Uh, but it, it's been it's been invigorating to now kind of feel like we're finally at the point of being able to really dive into actually making this happen so a better time to ask that question maybe a few months from now <laughs> as yeah. we're farther into the transition but uh, it's been it's been great uh invigorating and motivating to see some things happening over the next few weeks that we've been praying for a, a very long time well i i really appreciate you saying it might be better to to come back in a few months but i want you to know that that certainly you know i'm your mom so i have a different perspective on things but I'm making the transition too. I'm the only pastor, you know, your dad has been my pastor since I was 18 years old. Now, you know, did I look to other That's a guys? good 15, 20 years that he's been your pastor. 15, 20, yeah, 15, maybe 20. 50. <laughs> okay. 50 is a little closer. <laughs> we're, being, we're being generous. <laughs> since before you were born. But I am making the transa- transition. I want you to, I haven't told you this. Um, you have not. You are now my pastor. You're not saying anything. I'm I'm reflecting on that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, that's a big deal. It, it is. And I think part of the challenge for me is um, a, a transition of roles as a non-vocational elder uh, to, I, I guess, still a non-vocational uh, elder in, in a more in a more lead role. Um, th- those are some categories that I don't always think in, uh, because the, the work of ministry is there 
regardless of how the team dynamic is is structured. And so I think that's something where I may have always considered myself in a certain way that 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 you just because of the way the leadership was expressed in the church and, and the pivotal role that that dad has had over the years. Um, so that that's been, I think, more of an ongoing transition and progression for me, even before the you know transitions were formalized. That's it. I, I like I like what you're saying. Um, and, and maybe for me, it's just I've, I've noticed recently, uh, you know, I want to hear what's on your heart. I want to hear mm-hmm. the, what God's put in your heart. When I have a suggestion about something with the church, I'm texting you, not mm-hmm. dad. Right. You know, right. and so it's it's and I love this. I love this transition to now be able uh, to look to my son as my pastor and and with all the the affection and respect that comes from that, from me to you. Well, so. I'm glad I'm glad you love it. Yes. It's something that I think um, is a a special part of what God does, and uh, and drawing people together to where uh, we have the family dynamic. But what we're talking about is really even a deeper connection that we have as brothers and sisters in exactly. Christ. Exactly. Uh, that goes beyond any family uh, relationship. Yeah, I would follow you if you weren't my if you weren't my son, you know. <laughs> right. And and I think that's a good thing. Well, let's get back to the to the content of the interview here. So I've been thinking about something with the challenges that have gone on in the church that I I mentioned some of them earlier. Uh, and that you know the challenges our our church has faced. What makes you want? to invest the hard work into relaunching Redeemer Church? It's a great question. I don't know if there's like one thing other than just a sense that this is why we're here on the earth. Um, if if God had a different plan for humanity, then there may be different priorities. Uh, if God hadn't made this absolutely central to his uh, his purposes in the earth, then uh, so, so to me, to me, evaluating whether something is hard or not, obviously it's hard. Uh, th- there's challenges, but this is what we're called to. This is why we're here. And uh, we're never promised by Jesus that things are going to be easy. That's true. And ultimately, I didn't want uh, to be deterred by challenges. Uh, COVID was a challenge. Uh, just providential circumstances were challenges. And if that's something that's going to deter you, then I think you don't have a great understanding of of how God works so often in our own experiences. It is the hard times that the best Mm. fruit is produced from. And that's something anybody who's lived a second on the earth understands that what you remember about God being with you is not when things were easy. Uh, the true lessons that you learn from life and the things that shape your life, the things that you remember into your old age, the highlights of your life so oftentimes are the bad things that happen and how God met you in those times. And those lessons are things that you carry with you and then become a means of encouragement to other people as well. Wow, Jesse, that's powerful. And as you're talking, I'm sitting here looking at you. The church hasn't uh, hasn't always been an easy thing for you to be a part of. I mean, from from as early as your adolescent years, there have been challenges. You've seen, 
You've seen hard things, painful things. You've experienced hard things with the church. Like like a lot of people, the church is as broken as the people in it. <laughs> right, right. Right? But yet, God has really uh, protected your love for the church. Yes. And, and I think early on, you have a certain idea of what ministry is going to be like and this kind of ideal that you live with. And I think over time, as you actually start to grow in your understanding of Scripture, and you realize the church has never been easy for anyone. Even when it was in its ideal stages back in the book of Acts, there were significant problems. Uh, people lied, and then they died. Um, wow, good <laughs> they were, they were, Yeah. Like As far as I know, I don't think any member of Redeemer has been killed by the Holy Spirit for lying, <laughs> like God Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. But, you know, there, you look back and you're like, okay, that was the ideal time. Um, the, the degree of suffering that the early church went through was, uh, look, I mean, ours doesn't even compare. Uh, you can't compare our, our experience with the degree of, of suffering and persecution that the church has experienced throughout the years. And, and, that, and that just should um, make our church experience for all the challenges that we feel, and, and they are real, uh, they, there are legitimate sorrows and regrets that you have over the years and things you wish didn't happen. But uh, by comparison, I mean, we actually have it pretty easy uh, compared to what the most c- Christians throughout human history have experienced by way of uh, opposition and persecution and, and categories that we just don't know how to relate to uh, because of where God has positioned us. Right. That, that's a, that's a, a great point. And also we have to remember that the church is full of sinners like us. And, right. and so there's going to be difficult things. There's going to be, uh, breaches in relationships. And right. those are the hardest I can deal with a lot. It's when you when it becomes people that you love um, and that you just see going a different direction, whether that's because of a conflict or God moving them along. Uh, we've had so many people that love the church and then are now in a different place, serving a different church. Those what I call amiable departures are some of the hardest uh, just because there's not really a great explanation uh, for them other than God providentially moving people on. So those have been some of the more disappointing things, not, not so much disappointments in people, but disappointments in, in Providence and and just trusting the, the plan and purposes of God that, Oh, he has a reason for them not staying with us. It's easy to see his purposes in them staying with us. But sometimes it's harder to see his purposes and people moving on that that you love and that they love you. And yet God has a different plan. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's the Puritans talked a lot about the hard providences of God. You know, those those things, you know, we can explain somebody moving away for because they they need a job or we can or someone moving away because they're retiring and they want to live near their children and grandchildren. Right. Uh, those are those are hard, but 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 they're not nearly as painful as the ones who it's it's not as clear, mm-hmm. and we miss them, and yeah, I I see what you're saying, and and I think as a pastor's kid, uh, you've you know pastors' kids are impacted different ways by having a a dad or parents in ministry, and some it's positive, others it's not, but why? Why do you, why 
have you stuck in there and you've seen a lot you've you've been in a pastor's family you've seen how hard it has been at times on your dad and me and so why why do you want to keep doing this i guess i'm a glutton for punishment that's <laughs> probably be, right <laughs> I, I i it's it's a hard question to answer because when you look at some of what you hear and the experiences of people who are growing up in a difficult and again i wouldn't describe our ministry experiences as overwhelmingly difficult there have been difficult moments but on the whole what i look at over the course of decades of just collective memories of ministry what i remember are great things that that god did over time lessons of faithfulness over decades and how you can't expect uh, fruit immediately and but there are great moments where god just did something suddenly that was awesome um so there's a whole barrage of memories and um you tend to over time the painful things tend to fade away Hmm. and and what you're left with are the sweeter things when i look back over my kids lives for example Obviously, there's challenges, and I remember some of the challenging moments. But on the whole, the day-to-day challenges of like parenting a three-year-old, I don't still look at Samuel that way. Like I don't even really remember some things unless I really try to remember those hard times. And what, Samuel's now sixteen, right? He's now so sixteen, you... and so what? What you're left with are, oh, there's a sixteen-year-old young man that loves God in my house. Yes, he and, does. And all the pain of getting to that point, I don't even remember anymore. Because what you're left with is the fruit of God's work and your labor. And so that's kind of an analogy for pastoral ministry, is that, yes, I know there were hard times, but as far as enduring, it's because what I see is decades of fruit, which is still there even after the, um, you know, the painful experiences are long gone. Wow. Well, I want to... I want to carry that with me because I think I'm someone who can at times focus too much on the painful memories than the fruit. And, and since you were a young man, you've always, that glass has always been half full. And one of the ways God has used you in my life, son, and one of the reasons why I'm, excited about this transition to you as my pastor is because of that that gift of faith i've talked to you about this when you were young just it just seemed like there was a gift of faith there that you were able to see things through a lens of god's grace and provision and help and sometimes you know maybe that was an avoidance of hard things i don't know (laughs) But for the most part, I, I think it, it, it really was this, this gift that God's given you that is now being expressed. And one of the ways it's being expressed is in your willingness to take on the challenge, the faith that it's going to require to relaunch a new church and a new area. And, and I want to um, bring in dad next week to talk more about this. I'd like to broaden the conversation, not not that we don't talk about Redeemer Church, but 
but a, about the place of the church and people's lives mm-hmm. in, in general. And, and here's part of the reason why. As a counselor, you know, I meet with people a few times, you know, when we first getting started, and then I come up with what I call a care plan. And that care plan for people always includes an exploration of whether or not they have a healthy, active community where they can walk out both the suffering and the growth that counseling seeks to address. So can you come back next week and let's talk about some of that with your dad? Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. What great. Well, thank you. Thank you for being forward and uh, being here. And I look forward to next week.